podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good boys and girls, two-footed podcast on Friday the 15th of July, brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geoblocked from, while also keeping your data safe. Go to libertyshield.com and use the code EPL25, that's EPL25, to get 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homework company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. And finally, do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you can find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 to get 10% off at checkout. Right, folks. It is questions day today, so we are going to get started. Isaac Gilding says, what positions or roles would these now retired or just older players excel in playing nowadays? So the first one is Diego Maradona, obviously a 10 during his playing career, not really a position that many teams play, but there are a lot of teams that play a 4-2-3-1. I still think he would play as a 10. But you could play him off the right, cutting in onto that left foot and absolutely causing havoc. I think a lot of what we've seen Messi do, Maradona could have done. I don't know about the false nine, but certainly playing off the right as an inside forward, playing off the right as a, as a winger, playing as a 10. With his strength and his ball carrying, he could have been an eight, but... With his temper, he'd probably got himself in trouble. Uh, Michael Loudrup, he would have been an eight. He, he would be an attacking eight now without question. One of the greatest dribblers of all time, an immense passer of the ball, super intelligent, temperamental, but mostly off the pitch. Loudrup would have been an eight. Platini... Again, I think probably an, like an eight, like a Lampard, Bruno type of eight. That real goal scorer from midfield. Could have played off a striker in a front two as well. Bobby Charlton would have been a number nine, or at least a, one of a, a front two. I think the best use of Charlton was to get him as close to goal as possible. Could score off either foot, great in the air, great instincts around the box for, for space. Uh, Roy Keane I mean young Roy Keane would be an ace a box to box player could do a little bit of everything older Roy Keane would be a six but you could also make the case that he could play at centre back which he did for United Rude Hullet maybe the greatest athlete the game had ever seen up until Cristiano. I would say Hullet could absolutely play as a false nine. Think Bobby Firmino. But Hullet, through his career, moved backwards. He started playing up front, moved into midfield, played centre-back at one point, and ended up as a sweeper and was really good in that role. There is no sweeper in modern football, unfortunately. I would say he would be a false nine or an attacking eight. Frank Reichardt would be the best holding midfielder on the planet if he played right now. David Beckham would be a right back. David Beckham would be Trent. That's my guess. Alan Hansen would be the perfect modern-day centre-back. 
brilliant on the ball, read the game, great pace, intelligent player, could organise the line, could also have played as a holding midfielder, but I think he'd be absolutely fine as a centre-back. Philippe Lamb, probably a full-back, obviously had a really good run for Bayern in midfield late in his career, but I think Philippe Lamb is somebody who's a top probably a top six right back ever and probably a top six or seven left back ever. So I think you just use him as a fullback. Jan Mulby would be a six. He would be a sitting holding midfielder who'd spray the ball here, there and everywhere. You just put legs either side of him, get two runners with him who can do the dynamic work and just let him sit, dictate and use his intelligence to be in the right place at the right time. Claude McAlealy would be a six, uh, not as good on the ball as Mulby, but more natural defensive instincts. McAlealy was overrated at his at his time in the game, but I actually think he'd be more suited to today's game. Henri would be an inside forward off the left. Think Sadio Mane over the last five six years. Albertini would be a six, similar to Mulby. Sit him in. Probably a better tackler than Mulby, but not quite as good a ball carrier. Equal in terms of passing, but Mulby, one of the well, the underlooked aspect of Mulby was that he could just pick the ball up and carry it 30 yards. And he had the power to just drive through defensive midfielders to bundle them off the ball. Jan Mulby in full flow was like Gaza in full flow, had that similar type of build. Stocky, strong, could just out-muscle people. Albertini didn't have that type of mobility, but he'd sit in and just dictate play, offer a really good screen to his defence. A little bit like Ruben Neves, but a better version of Ruben Neves. Um, Roberto Baggio, I think you're playing a front two. You're playing him just off the striker. He could definitely play as an inside forward on the left, but you'd want him to play a narrow inside forward, not kind of one of those wing to inside forward roles. You'd want him staying narrow where he can influence the game a bit more. Uh, Steven Gerrard would be an eight and he would absolutely terrorise teams. Box to box, his goal scoring ability, his passing ability, just make sure that the other two are good defensively and you'll be fine. Kaka would be a false nine. I don't think there's any doubt in that. I think his build, his strength, he was really good in the air. He was really good with his back to goal. His first touch was out of this world, and he could just make people look silly. He would drop off, allow the inside forwards to push in as a front two, and function almost like a 10. But, yeah, Kaka would be a false nine. Um. I still believe the best version of Messi is, is Messi coming off the, the right wing in onto that left foot, so I'd have him there. Andrea Pirlo, I, I think he's a, an eight, but I think he's like a sitting eight, similar to how Thiago plays. He's not good enough defensively to be a six. You could play him as a six with two defensive midfielders either side of him, which is basically what Juventus did. Um, but... I would say play him with a dynamic holding midfielder, play him to the right or the left, allow him to run the game, but have somebody else do the defensive work for him. Um, AMK2889, all-time captain's 11. Any formation and player from any era is fair game, but they have to have been known to be captain for the respective club or country in their position. Zanetti or Maldini on the right or left of the fence, Keane or Suness in midfield, Zlatan as the striker, just to give some examples. I want proper captains as well, so no Harry Maguire. And then who would captain all of these captains? Right. Oliver Kahn, I would say, would be the goalkeeper. Captain Germany, Captain Bayern. Iker Casillas is a good shout. Oh, Iker Casillas is a very good shout. 
I preferred Oliver Kahn as a goalkeeper. And if I'm doing this as a team, I also want to factor in who's the best player. Casillas is a great shout, but I do think Oliver Kahn's peak as a goalkeeper was better than his. Right back, I'll go Zanetti, captain of Inter for years. Great defensive player, incredible on the ball. Left back, Maldini's the obvious answer. Centre back. I've got three that I want to fit in. Now, I'm, I'm going to keep this kind of 90s and onwards, not go back into the 60s, 70s and 80s. Well, there's one player from the 80s he'll be in, but we'll come to him. Um, I've got three. Carlos Puyol, as captain of Barcelona, was an outstanding leader, an organiser, the type of guy who grabbed hold of players and dragged them back into games. Franco Baresi captained the best team I've ever seen. And then there's Fernando Hierro, who was captain of Real Madrid in the 90s. I think I'll go Puyol and Baresi. I'll go Puyol and Baresi. Uh, midfield, the central midfield pairing is easy. It's Keen and it's Sunes. It doesn't need to be discussed. It's Keen and it's Sunes. Um, I'm going to play Gerard on the right. I don't think he was necessarily a great vocal captain. But in terms of picking a team up, throwing them on his back and leading them somewhere. You're hard-pressed to do better than Steven Gerrard. Like, he wasn't a keen Sunes type of leader. He was a better on-ball player than either of them. But I think you have to go with him. I do. I'm, I'm going to go with him on the right. I'm going to go with Totti off the left. Cutting in field. I, I think he'd be absolutely lethal in that role. Yeah, I'll go with Totti off the left. Um, up front, Maradona's got to be one captain to Argentina. I've missed. No, do you know what? I'm going to leave Totti out. Lothar Mateus has to be in this team. Has to be in this team. I have to go with Lothar Mateus. He's a better player than Totti as well. So I'm going to go with, with a box midfield. Or a, you could work it as a diamond midfield. Sit Gerard deep. Oh, sorry, sit. Sunes deepest. Gerard as the 10. Keen and... Lothar Mateus as the engine and you get a bit of everything with that group of players Sunes, tough great on the ball really good defensively keen, good at everything Mateus, great at everything and then that attacking burst, that power that determination of Gerard. and there's just no way those four don't find ways to win pretty much every single game um, I should give uh, honorary mention to Tony Adams at centre-back as well, because he was great. Maradona's going to be one of the attackers. There hasn't been many great captains who were strikers. There just hasn't been. But I think I'd probably, it's probably between Raul and Totti. Totti is more known, I think, as a captain. So I'll go with him. I'll go with, I'll go with Fernan, uh, Fernando Totti. Because Fran, Fernando Totti, Francesco Totti. I knew that sounded wrong as I said it. I'll go with Francesco Totti. So him and Maradona up front. There's not going to be a ton of goals, but they'll get enough goals. That midfield dominates everything that comes in front of them. That defence is never, ever conceding a goal, especially with that goalkeeper. 
In terms of who captains the team of captains, I think it's Graham Souness. I think he's the most dominant personality in the room. I think it's Graham Souness. I think that would ruffle a couple of feathers. Lothar Mateus, not known to take criticism well. Roy Keane, not shy of sharing an opinion. Um, but I think it's Souness. It's one of those three. Because I think all of that back four, from a personality point of view, can just get along with anybody. You never heard anybody falling out with Zanetti or Puyol or Baresi or Maldini. It just didn't happen. You heard about people falling out with Keane and with Souness and with Lothar Mateus and with Oliver Kahn. Must be something about Germans. Uh, I'm going to go Souness as the captain of captains. Um... Chris Colby, five subs in a heavy schedule this year could allow more rotation, meaning more players have an opportunity to work their way into playing time. Who would be a player for each team that it would be a failure or at least a major disappointment if they didn't get 10 starts, 20 appearances and or 1,000 minutes? Could be an established player been phased out or a young player missing out. Okay, right. So we're, I assume we're talking Premier League. Um, let's start then with Arsenal. William Saliba, without question, he's the one there for me. I think if he doesn't get at least a thousand minutes in the Premier League, Arteta is—he's a moron anyway. But I—I I, I would be firm proof. Um, for Villa, I would have said Carney Chukwemeka, but it looks like Gerrard's going to force him out of the club before the season starts. So without him, hmm. do you know, I would be inclined to suggest that Cameron Archer is the answer here. Super talented young forward, really good on loan last season with Preston. 20 years of age, he's ready to play in the Premier League. I'll say Cameron Archer. Uh, for Bournemouth, I'll say David Brooks, but it's more that I just I want to see the boy play football again. He's had such a horrible 12 months, but he has come out the far side and it's great to see him back as a footballer. So it wouldn't be a failure if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But David Brooks is the one I really want to see play 10 games, 20 appearances, whatever, a thousand minutes, whatever it is, every minute that boy plays football this year, I will enjoy because it is just great to see him back. And he is a wonderful footballer as well. So I'll go David Brooks from Bournemouth. Um, for Brentford. Not really sure. I mean, there's not exactly a whole bunch of young players that stand out to me. But I think Frank Onyeka, and I would up it, I would say if he doesn't get 19 starts in the Premier League this season, I think something's gone wrong there. Because as it stands, unquestionably their best midfield three is Onyeka, Norgard, and Janos. Now, they may add a midfielder, and push Onyeka to the bench, but he should still be getting 19 starts because he can play all across the midfield. So I'll say him. Uh, for Brighton and Hove Albion, again, I'm going to up it. I want to see minimum 25 starts in the Premier League for Alexis McAllister. Minimum. The one youngster I really want to see is Kasper Kozlowski. The young Pole, who they signed in January, really exciting player. I really want to see him, but five starts or ten appearances would be it would be sufficient this season. 
Uh, for Chelsea, it's Callum Hudson-Odoi. If he's not getting the games, let the boy go because he's far too talented to be sitting on a bench. Crystal Palace, again, I'm upping it to 25 starts for Michael Olise. I want to see him play as much as possible this season. Sensational talent. Probably his last year at Palace. I'd imagine next summer the big clubs come knocking on the door. Palace should enjoy him while they can. He is phenomenal. Uh, for Everton, Niels Nkunku. Niels Nkunku, the young left back, uh, spent last season or most of last season on loan at Standard Liège. Was he on loan the whole season? Yeah, he seems to have been. Um, I think they could play wing backs with him and Patterson. And then Godfrey Tarkovsky and Michaelenko as a three. And I think that is a better use of the players they have. Because Michaelenko is a, is a centre-back in a three. He's not a left-back. He's not a centre-back in a four either. Godfrey, I think, is better suited to a three. Patterson right now is better suited to being a wing-back, more attack-minded than defensively inclined. So Niels Nkunku is the one I'll go for with Everton. Uh, at Fulham, I'd like to see Josh Onema play a fair bit. Scotty Tucoats didn't give him a chance the last time they were up. So I, I'd like to see him get game time this year. Um, the youngster that's there that I'm excited about is Jean-Pierre Tehi. Now, whether or not he's going to be ready for the Premier League, I'm not sure, but he's super talented. So he'd be the one I keep an eye on. Um, there is that... Uh, what's the kid's name? There's an American defender there who's quite highly regarded as well, but his name is escaping me. Uh, it's not Tim Ring before anyone suggests that. Uh, for Leeds, I think Joe Gelhard probably. So talented, not ready to be a, a starter, shouldn't be in your kind of every game rotation. But I really want to see what he can do with more minutes this season because he impressed me most of the occasions he played last season. Um, so yeah, Joe Gellhart, Leicester City, Brendan's not great with young players. Um, I mean, he, he calls them Calvin Bassey, he almost calls them. Keenan, uh, Kieran Dewsbury Hall by delaying his arrival into the first team so long. Uh, Luke Thomas did well last season. I'd like to see him stay in the round. Do you know what? I'll go, I'll go Pats and Daka, minimum of 15 starts. Minimum 15 starts of Pats and Daka. Uh, at Liverpool, Fabio Carvalho. Yeah, I think Fabio Carvalho. At Manchester City, hmm. they've loaned out Tommy Doyle. I would have liked to have seen him getting some opportunities. It looks like they'll probably loan out Liam Delap. I would have liked to have seen him get some opportunities. I'll go James McAtee. I think he should get some chances this season. Um, very, very good midfield player. Big, big future. He's 19. He'll be 20 in October. Uh, the other one would be probably Cole Palmer. He's, he's a lot of fun. Um, his ability to carry the ball for a fellow of his size is really impressive. So I'll go Cole Palmer or James McAtee. Um, it's strange to me that more players haven't kind of been pushed into the first team at City because their academy is outrageous but they seem to just grow them to sell them Manchester United the one I really want to see get an opportunity is Garnacho the young Argentine winger. 
I mean, he's been called into the Argentine senior squad a couple of times. So I'd like to see him get an opportunity in the first team. But I'd also like to see James Garner get an opportunity. So there's a few at United. Shola Shortire is another one. Uh, Facundo Palestri, if they're going to keep him rather than loaning him. Um, do you know what? I'll say Ahmad Diallo, actually, because they spent a fortune on him. I mean, I think they paid $37 million for him. $37 million including add-ons, about $23 million. Uh, as a base fee. So I'll go with him. Uh, Newcastle United. It's not a whole lot, to be fair, in terms of young players that you'd be overly excited about up at the tune. Elliot Anderson looks looks a prospect. So it'd be good to see him get some games. I'll go Elliot Anderson, but I'd set it at five starts. You know, uh, Nottingham Forest. I don't think there's any risk of young players not getting opportunities at Nottingham Forest while Steve Cooper is there. But the one I want to see play a bit is Loic Mabay. So the youngster that they signed from Paris Saint-Germain a couple of years ago. Last season, he played twice, did have some injuries. Um, they are strong at centre-back, but I'd like to see him get some opportunities. So again, I'd set it up maybe, maybe say eight to ten starts across all competitions and maybe somewhere in the region of a thousand minutes. Yeah, about a thousand minutes across all competitions, sub-appearances, etc. Uh, Southampton. Always a lot of good young players at Saints. Obviously, they've taken that approach this season with the transfers they've brought in. Basunu, Balakotchop, uh, Lavia, all young players. The one I want to see get plenty of Will Ferry, but he, he'll probably get a loan. Um, Will Smallbone. We'll go Will Smallbone. He's had a horrible time with injuries. We'll say Will Smallbone. Let's see him play 15 appearances across all competitions. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Again, not a club that are great at promoting from their academy, uh, which is a bit of a shame because there does tend to be talented players. But the one I'll sit with is Pape Matar-Sar, not an academy player, but one they signed last summer. I think he's got the potential to be one of the best midfield players in Europe, genuinely. He can do a bit of everything and do it all really, really well. Really impressed me for Mets. That's who I'll go with. West Ham United. Hmm. Connor Coventry. Connor Coventry. Let's see him get six to eight Premier League starts, 10 starts across all competitions, 16 to 20 appearances, somewhere between 800 and 1,000 minutes. Let's see that happen this year. The other one I want to see more of is Nikola Vlasic, but there's a chance they might sell him, which I think will be a very silly move. And then last but not least is Wolves. So... I'm going to set it high again. Rayan Aitnuri, 25 starts. I think he can become one of the best left-backs in the world. The other one I would say is Morgan Gibbs-White. I don't understand why they're trying to sell him. For me, I'd be looking at him and thinking, he's someone to build around. He's an academy kid. He's been here since he's eight years old. He's... A local lad, he's from 15 miles away in, in Stafford. I don't understand why you'd be looking to loan him out. He had a brilliant season last year with Sheffield United on loan. He is ready to play in the Premier League. He's already got 86 appearances for Wolves under his belt, including 66 in the Premier League. So I don't understand. No, sorry, I'm wrong with that. It's 46 in the Premier League. I don't understand why you wouldn't give him 
a real opportunity. So I would be giving him an opportunity. I'd be giving him 15 to 18 starts, whole bunch of games off the bench. You're looking to get him 16, 1800 minutes. I think it'd be a big failure on their part if they sell him. Uh, so that is that. Couple more. Uh, Barton22, Barton underscore 22 on Twitter. Uh, question for the pod Best 11 of current managers based on their footballing ability as players, top five leagues only, and have to be working now. So obviously we can't include Zidane, uh, who would obviously walk into this team. Um, Right, let's see. So there's a lot of good midfielders that have got on to become really good managers. Oh, well, no, sorry. Really good midfielders that went on to become managers. How good they are as managers remains to be seen. Like, you look at the Premier League. Arteta was a very good player. Gerrard was a great player. Parker was a good player. Vieira was a great player. Lampard was a great player. Guardiola was a great player. Antonio Conte was a very good player. It's just in the Premier League. They're all midfielders. Um... If we take a look at League O. Let's see. Who's jumping out in France? Paolo Fonseca was a solid centre-back in his career. Igor Tudor was a very good player. Uh, So I think he probably will get in as a centre-back in this team because we're going to be overloaded with midfielders. It's not a whole lot, I'm going to say, in... Not a whole lot in France. Christophe Galtier is the other obvious one. He was a very good defender. Um, He had a long career as well. Um, we're gonna we're gonna pencil in Igor Tudor and Galtier. I think Antonio Conte is gonna have to play fullback. That's just how it is. Hard worker, he'd be fine. Uh, let's move on to La Liga. Obviously, Xavi is. One who was an outstanding midfielder, but Carlo Ancelotti was also a great midfield player in his time. Diego Simeone was an outstanding midfielder as well. Kiko Sanchez Flores was a good player, played right back, could play a little bit centre back. Uh, Manuel Pellegrini, he was a very good centre back. Reno Gattuso, another midfielder. Pellegrini's got to be in because I think we're going to be short on defenders. Yeah, see, I'd love to be able to have Shevchenko because he would be perfect. Well, he is. Oh, yeah, he's not working the top five leagues. Um, Let's see. Sinisim, actually, do you know what? Sinisim Mihailovic is in without doubt. Simone and Zaghi will be in. We'll have him as a striker. He might be the only striker in this team because there's loads of midfielders that have to be in. Uh, we'll go Mihailovic over, over Galtier. Pioli, no. Spalletti, no. Allegri, no. He's a good player, he wasn't. 
was a great player. Uh, we can also get the Bundesliga up. Oliver Glasner was a solid defender, but no. Both Fenson, no. Daniel Farke, no. Nico Kovac was a good player, but I don't think he's good enough to get in this team. Um, right, we've got our back four. We're going to go Conte right back, Mihailovic left back, Pellegrini and Igor Tudor as um, as our centre-backs. Going to go in midfield with Pep, who was, who was brilliant. There's just no doubt about it. Pep was a brilliant footballer. We're going to go Vieira. We'll go with Xavi, obviously. And then we'll put Gerard and Lampard behind Inzaghi. Um, the one thing I'm lacking is a goalkeeper. No, no, he's not. Is he working at the minute? What's Nuno doing with himself? Nuno not working at the, oh he's managing in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, see, Nuno would have been the pick. Nuno was a decent keeper to his credit. Uh it wasn't great, but he was decent. Um let's see. Dino's off is the best one goalkeeper who became a manager. It's slim pickings. It really is. What's Walter Zenga doing these days? He's oh, he was last manager at Calgary. He got sacked as right. Walter Zenga could have been nice. He hasn't been working in two years. Wapatagi oh. was a goalkeeper. Was he? Apparently on this website. I'm yeah. reading. Wapatagi. Was he a good goalkeeper though? But he played for Real Madrid and Barcelona. Um, he's at Legronos and Real Vicano for most of his career. He got one Spain cap. He can't have been terrible. Guy Drinkle has given us our goalkeeper. And because he is the next best player who didn't make the group, Diego Simeone will be our manager. And these boys are going to run and run and run. So Lopetegui in goal, Conte right back, Mihailovic left back, Pellegrini and Tudor as the centre-backs, Xavi, Pep and Vieira in midfield, Gerard Lampard behind, Simone Inzaghi. Might, might just score a lot of goals with that front three. Um, right. Next question. Um... Stephen Smith sent me a question. Let me see. Stephen Smith. Right, you're Julian Ward. Nabi Keita re-signs in a five-year contract. Bobby Firmino re-signs in a two-year contract. Oxlade Chamberlain is sold and a replacement is brought in of your choosing, not off the top shelf, but in the 30 to 40 million pound range. How do you navigate the next two windows with the above? both ins and outs. So that's the January window and the summer window. So um, first things first, the player I would want in, Matthias Nunes, I think for that kind of money, that's probably your best available option. Um, so we'll go with him. How do you navigate the next two windows? Right, come January, 
there's going to be a team towards the bottom of the Premier League who's struggling defensively, and we're going to try and offload Nat Phillips onto him. We're going to go to Aston Villa. We're going to assume Carney Chukwameka has not been sold by the end of this window. We're going to go to them in January and offer $6 million with add-ons going to $8 million to get him in before they lose him for free next summer. That's all I'd probably do in January. Now, come next summer, assuming no one wants to leave, so assuming Kelleher is happy to remain as the backup goalkeeper, Gomez is happy to remain as a depth centre-back, and Simicus is happy to remain as a backup left-back, I don't need to touch the goalkeeper or the defence at all. Nor do I need to mess about with the attack. I think the only thing I'd be looking to do is find long-term successors for Fabinho and for Thiago. I would loan Curtis Jones, two-year loan. I'd have Nunes and Elliot as the right-sided ones, Thiago Naby as the left-sided ones, Fabinho, and I want a backup to him, someone who's immediately ready to be a backup and then can be developed. So I'm going to go Amadou Onana in there at Lille, big rangy holding midfielder, really like him as a player. In terms of the long-term Thiago success, I mean, I don't need necessarily to do that next summer uh, because I've still got him and I've still got Naby. So I'd probably actually look to extend Thiago for another year till 2025. That's probably all I'd really do. If you get Nunes now or Quadio Kone, either of those two, get Onana next summer and Chuck Wemeka, I'm probably good. I'm probably good to go in midfield. I would drive James Milner to his location of choice and leave him there. Uh, if I can get Jordan Henderson into the car, I'd bring him too, just for the spin. Jordan, you go for a walk. I'll wait here for you. And I'd be out the gap before he could even turn around. Um, yeah, I don't think there's a whole lot that would need doing as long as they get that midfielder in this summer and then get one more next summer. And I would love to add Chuck Wemeke because I just think he's an outstanding talent. And I would also keep scanning the rest of the Premier League. Like, Omari Hutchinson is leaving Arsenal to join Chelsea. Liverpool should have been in the mix for him. Now, they may well have been, but players like him, top young talents coming up out of contract with other Premier League clubs, be all over them. Just try and get as many of them in the door as possible. Also look at that kind of 15, 16-year-old group, the Bobby Clarks and, and people like that, Kate Gordons. Try and hoover up as many of them as you can. Because the more you get in, the more tickets you have in the raffle. Uh, last question then, I think. Oh, is there two more? I think there's two more, actually. Uh, long live LFC. City selling Sterling, Jesus and Silva in one window. Do you think they're going to bid massively in Bellingham? I don't think Bernardo Silva is going to leave this summer. I could be wrong, but I don't think he is. Uh, if he does go... No, I don't think it'll be Jude. I, I, It could be, maybe. But I don't think it'll be Bellingham. Uh, Henner's East. Am I the only one to find it strange in this Liverpool team with the outstanding technical ability and success at set pieces we don't score more direct free kicks. There are, it is a bit weird. 
especially considering how good a striker of the ball Trent is. But we don't get a lot of free kicks in that area where it would be kind of a shooting opportunity. And there's not many truly elite free kick takers in the game anymore. Like Ward Prowse is the best in the game and he's not a great player by any stretch. What are the 10 most iconic stadiums in sport? You did a list recently about football stadiums. Okay. Um, If we're talking stadiums, I assume we're also talking arenas. So I would say Madison Square Garden's got to be one. Not number one, but one of them. Madison Square Garden. Um, I think the Coliseum, the LA Memorial Coliseum is also one that has to be there. I think it's absolutely sensational. I think Wembley is one. I think the Maracana is one. And I think the Azteca is one. They're probably the three I'd go with from the football world. Although, to be fair, the Camp Nou probably deserves mention. I think it's more iconic than the Burnabout, personally. Some will disagree. Um... What's the place where the Indy 500 takes place? Is it the Indianapolis Speedway? Because it it is fairly iconic. Uh, Yeah, the Speedway in Indiana. Uh, I would say that is one of them. Indy Speedway. Melbourne Cricket Ground. I think it has to be in both for cricket, obviously, but also for Australian rules. Um, and obviously it's hosted rugby, it's hosted football. So we'll go with MCG. Let me think, let me think, let me think. Fenway Park. See, I would, the old Yankee Stadium would absolutely be here, but it's obviously gone. I think Fenway, Fenway, Wrigley Field, or Chavez Ravine are probably the three in baseball, but I'll go Fenway Park. Lambeau Field. Lambeau Field has to be in. Yeah, I have Madison Square Garden. Um, I think Jerry World in Dallas is absolutely ridiculous. It's that spectacular, so we'll go with it. That is... That's 10. Um, And I feel like I'm missing loads. Like... The National Stadium in Beijing is ridiculous. Um... Centre Court at Wimbledon, the Rose Bowl, the Big House in Michigan, Beaver Stadium. Lumenfield, Seattle's fairly iconic with the with the strips. Uh, on the topic of American football stadiums, uh, shame on everybody involved in the Pittsburgh Steelers for the name change. I understand that it's a sponsorship thing, but uh, no, just no. It is Heinz Field. It will always be Heinz Field, and that's just how it is. Um, is Daytona? Daytona is probably more iconic than Indianapolis, isn't it? So you could yeah have that either. But I want one of the speedways in. I think 
I think they're fairly iconic. Silverstone will be one. You know, the Monaco Grand Prix is pretty iconic as well, but it's not really a stadium because it's just in the city. Madison Square Garden is a definite. I think the LA Coliseum is a definite. I'm going to leave off Wembley because it's the new Wembley. Old Wembley would be here, but not new Wembley. I'm going to leave off the Camp Nou because club stadiums can just get, get out for now. Maracana, yes. Azteca, yes. Daytona or Indy Speedway, pick your pick your poison there. Uh, Melbourne Cricket Ground, definitely. Fenway Park, definitely. Lambeau Field, definitely. Jerry World, definitely. And I'll go centre court at Wimbledon. As my 10th one. So that's that. Uh, I think that's... Every- no, there's not. There's one other one because I saw it earlier. Uh, God, if I could find it now, it'd be great. Uh, it was something to do with Matthias Nunes. Who sent it? Who sent it? Who sent it? Um... I can't remember who sent it, but someone asked me for a kind of a detailed look at Matthias Nunes and how he would fit into this Liverpool team. So let's look at the player first things first. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, LFCPG90 uh, on Twitter asked me, Nicole asked me for this one. So Matthias Nunes, 23-year-old midfielder at Sporting, Brazilian-born, has naturalised and is now playing for the Portuguese national team. His best role is as a box-to-box midfielder. Really strong ball carrier. Good pass to the ball. Clever pass to the ball. Rather than being an inventive passer, he just makes the smart option. If he can advance play in any way, shape, or form, that's exactly what he will do. His best attribute in possession is definitely carrying the ball. He doesn't look like the type of player that should be able to take on and beat players repeatedly, but he just does. He's got good close control. He's got his head up. He's aware of his surroundings. Off the ball, he's super energetic, super aggressive, presses really well, wins the ball back a lot. In this Liverpool team, you're looking at him on the right of the midfield three. But he could also play in a double pivot very comfortably, which is what he has done at Sporting. Now, it is a double pivot in a 3-4-3 rather than a 4-2-3-1 or anything like that. But you'd have no problem playing him next to Fabinho. You could also play him next to Thiago. Think of the Thiago-Goretzka partnership at Bayern. I think it would be quite similar to that. He's not as big as Goretzka. Goretzka's 6'2-ish, a more rangy player, um, and a bigger build. Nunes is, I think he's about 5'11", slighter build, not not skinny or anything like that, but he's a, a slighter player. But that partnership, that tandem of Thiago and that physical box-to-box player worked brilliantly. So you could definitely go with that if Fabinho was out. So he would give you a bat. He could also play as a six and a three if need be. It wouldn't be ideal, but it is something he could be developed into long term. So the thing is with Matthias Nunes, you sign him this summer, even if you want Bellingham next summer, Nunes doesn't rule that out because you could convert Nunes over the course of two years into a number six. A really good touchline to touchline number six who will sweep across the entire width of the pitch behind the rest of your midfield and attack energy all day great presser really clever makes the right decisions carries the ball brilliantly and always wants to advance the play he's a really aggressive player on and off the ball he doesn't want 
things to get passive or slow. The one thing he does need to do is add some more goals to his game. He's got seven goals in 99 games for Sporting. Uh, last season, he got four and 50. He's been pretty durable. 50 games last season, 39 the year before. So injuries wouldn't be a big concern with him. I would like to see him add more goals, but I definitely think you could fit him in to Liverpool's team. I think he'd also help Trent quite a bit. He would be comfortable to go high and wide. He's got a good cross on him. So with Trent coming infield, he could move outfield. Um, and he's the type of player that does sacrifice for the team. He is a team-orientated player. He was so vital in their title win. Ruben Amram glows about him when he speaks about him. So uh, he's not a, the type of manager that seems to give out praise uh, very lightly. So, yeah, I, I would say... Um, I would say he'd be very, very well fitted at Liverpool. I'm going to take a quick break. When I come back, it's just the gossip, and then we're gone. See you in a sec. Right, welcome back. So quickly, David Ornstein had the exclusive. Serge Gnabry has committed to signing a new long-term contract with Barca with Bayern Munich. Having dragged it out for over a year, uh, he has made the decision that he wants to stay and he will commit his future in the coming days. Uh, Jesse Lingard will make a decision on his future next week. He wants to be in a club no later than July 22nd. So he'll have missed most of preseason. Uh, not moving to MLS, but considering a 10 million a year offer from Saudi Arabia. He apparently has three offers on the table from Premier League clubs. Uh, Everton. West Ham. Maybe Newcastle. They'd seem like the most likely three, wouldn't they? Proposed transfer of Robert Lewandowski to Bayern Munich is moving towards agreement between clubs. Not done yet, but heading in that direction and optimism around the situation is that it will now happen. That is all from David Ornstein. Uh, Miguel Delaney reporting that Atletico Madrid and Marseille are both interested in a permanent deal for William Saliba, who wants first-team football, wants to make an impact at Arsenal, but also wants to go to the World Cup and knows that first-team football can potentially get him in that squad. Uh, Barcelona have told Frankie de Jong he needs to leave, but he is digging his heels in. He does not want to go. So that situation is potentially going to get a little bit messy. It looks like Celtic's uh, attempts to sign Eduard Michu might be put on hold. PSG wants €6 million Euro and a €25 million sell-on. Celtic don't want to pay that much. I personally think they probably should. He's very, very talented, and they're not going to have another opportunity to sign him. So, you know, we'll wait and see what happens. Hopefully Celtic can get that one across the line. Uh, Lisandro Martinez to United should be confirmed today or tomorrow. Um, Chelsea and Paris Saint-Germain have been informed that Lewandowski's move to Barca is at the final stage. I don't know what that means. There's no offer in yet that's been accepted. So we'll wait and we'll see. Uh, Serge Gnabry signing a four-year contract with three-year extension. Um, so that's fine. Thomas Tuchel, I don't think we have a chance to sign Lewandowski, but if there is, he's one of the best number nines. Tuchel obviously didn't want Cristiano because Tuchel is fairly smart. The owner did because he's not very smart he, he's very smart he's just not very smart at the football um let's see gabriel uh, slonina the young chicago fire goalkeepers apparently reached agreement in personal terms with chelsea uh chelsea are signing omari hutchinson who i mentioned earlier on so that's him and zach sturge that they'll have snapped up this summer uh two more players to go into that academy um david ornstein also reported that nathan aki is going to stay at Manchester City. They couldn't agree a 
fee with Chelsea. Chelsea decide they don't want to pay what City are asking. So Chelsea are now working on Kimpembe and potentially another centre-back as well. Uh, Zinchenko apparently is free to leave Manchester City if the right offer comes in. Arsenal want him. West Ham are being linked as well. He'd have to play left-back at West Ham, but I'd actually think that'd be a better move for him because he'd go there and be first choice without question. At Arsenal, I think he goes there and he could be first choice midfielder. I just don't know if Arteta would use him there. Uh, the Jed Spence deal should be wrapped up today or tomorrow. 12.5 million and add-ons bringing it to 20. So less upfront money than Nico Williams. Higher overall package. I think Forrest probably should have tried to get him, but maybe they did. And he wanted to go back to London where he is from. Um... City still targeting Mark Cucurella. Koulibaly has signed a four-year contract with Chelsea. I'm really curious to see how they use him. Uh, some reports coming out that West Ham do indeed want to sign both Armando Broya and Gianluca Scamica and play them as a pairing. That could be a lot of fun. It would be difficult to make it work. I suppose Rice Suchek as a midfield too, Fornals. If you tucked Fornals in on the right and put Bowen on the left, that could work. Um, it would mean Bowen would be more of a, a facilitator rather than a goal scorer, but it could work. You could play them in a three, but Broy on the left is a bit clunky. You could obviously play Bowen on the right, Fornals on the left. Uh, and have them cut in field, but you'd have to get really good service from your fullbacks. Let's do the gossip then on the BBC. Real Madrid have their sights set on Jude Bellingham. Frankie de Jong's agent has told Manchester United he is open to leaving Barcelona, but does not want to move to Old Trafford. Barcelona are considering leaving de Jong out of their squad for the US tour in a bid to get him to agree to move. Barcelona's treatment of players is a disgrace and any player that wants to go there should probably take a long look at how the club have acted in recent years towards a lot of players. Manchester City's, sorry, Manchester United's Cristiano Ronaldo has turned down a lucrative bid to go to Saudi Arabia with Bayern Munich and Atletico Madrid both interested. Bayern, I don't think they're interested. They've been quite open about that and I greatly doubt Atletico Madrid would have any, any interest in them at all. Juventus have approached Arsenal about signing Gabriel Magalhaes to replace Matthias De Ligt. It's a downgrade, but it's, he's still a good player. Arsenal would be stupid to sell him, though. Uh, Jed Spence. Barcelona have been linked with Carney Chukwemeka. He should not go there. Arsenal are working on a deal to sign, Bar sorry, sign Ukrainian left-back Alexander Zinchenko. They're also looking at Sergio Gomez um, and Nuno Tavares could leave for Marseille if they do sign a left-back. Uh, Leeds are close to agreeing terms on a £21 million deal for Arnold Calimundo. Newcastle are preparing a £20 million bid for Jack Harrison. I don't think Leeds will sell him this summer. Uh, Everton's defender Jared Branthwaite will join P uh, PSV Eindhoven on a season-long loan. I'm not really sure why Everton are loaning out uh, a good young centre-back when they're not exactly flush with good options. Ajax have made an offer for Calvin Bassey amid interest in Premier League club Brighton. I'd love to see him at Brighton. He'd be ideal in that back three. Webster, Dunk and Bassey. I could get on board with that. Uh, talks are ongoing between Arsenal and the representatives of Yuri Tielemans. Arsenal are also interested in Lucas Poqueta but have not submitted an offer. It would be a stupid signing. Everton remain in talks over Morgan Gibbs-White after £25 million bid was rejected last week. Newcastle are looking at different targets after giving up on Alexander Isak and Moussa Diaby because of the fees and wage demands. Uh, is this who I think it is? It is Luke Edwards attempting to pretend that Newcastle aren't offering the big bags of money. Um, Bayern Munich's Leroy Sané has been offered to Real Madrid no he has not that is a lie Paris Saint-Germain are interested in Goncalo Ramos and Hugo Ekatike because they don't want to pay 50 million for Shamika even though he's better than both PSG are also looking to sign Kefren Turan 
son of Lillian from Nice. He's really good. He's really good. Um, West Ham have offered Sassuolo 33.9 million for Shamika, while um, PSG have offered 29.7 million. So 40 million euro versus 35 million euro. If West Ham can get him, that would be an unbelievable signing. Uh, AC Milan are set to offer Rafael Leao a long-term contract as they are reluctant to sell the 23-year-old Chelsea for anything less than 127 million. Nonsense. Uh, they are offering a new contract. Chelsea can't really pay anything close to that. Cesc Fabregas is set to sign for Serie B side Como after leaving Monaco. Why Como? Because it's right next to the lake. He is moving for the lifestyle, and I'm here for it. Southampton and Leicester are both interested in Levi Colwell. Uh, looks like it could be a permanent deal. I, I really don't want him under Brendan Rodgers, but whoever takes over after Brendan will at least inherit him and Fafana. Crystal Palace could also join the race for Colwell, while Arsenal, Brighton and Everton are also interested. Can't imagine they'd sell to Arsenal. Talks are ongoing between Nottingham Forest and Huddersfield over midfielder Lewis O'Brien and left-back Harry Tofolo, with Forrest having submitted bids for the Terriers' duo. Um, Tofolo makes sense as a backup left-back. Lewis O'Brien helps in midfield, for sure. American centre-back Austin Trusty is closing in on a lone move when he arrives at Arsenal. Uh, he's going to be sent to Birmingham. Did he do something wrong? Why has he been sent to Birmingham? That just seems like a horrible thing to do to a young player. Anyway, that's me. That's me for the week. I will see you all on Monday. Take care of yourselves. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.